Praise God. Praise Jesus. So I have decided to title today's teaching Maturing in New Life. Maturing in New Life. And the need for a teaching like this is this. When we think about the gospel's message, you know, we're always thinking about the unbelievers, the unsaved. The unbelievers, the unsaved. The unbelievers, the unsaved. And while that is accurate, yes, the unbeliever must hear the word of God. Yes, the unbeliever must hear the word of God. The unsaved must hear the word of God. But what happens when the, the unsaved becomes the saved? What happens when the unsaved becomes the one with new life, the carrier of new life? There is a maturing process. There is a maturing process that takes place there. The error that, that, that many make is they give their life to Christ. They, they make that you know, declaration of salvation and they, they just end it there. Every other thing is on, you know, is is just it's just vibes and inshallah from there every other thing every other thing is just you know whatever will be will be after that sometimes i'll study sometimes i wouldn't you know sometimes i'll go to church if i feel like you know i might have a prayer life i might not you know it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter as long as i'm a christian once saved always saved and while i would agree that nothing and no one can steal your salvation i disagree entirely with the fact that you can decide how you handle your Christian work. I disagree entirely with the fact that there are believers somewhere deciding how they are going to live, having Christianity on their own terms, having Christianity on their own terms. They start out right. They start out believing the gospel's message. They start out doing the basics of, 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 the, of the faith. They start out with decent prayer lives and decent study lives. They start out that way. But somewhere along the line, they get to a place where they feel like things can be on their own terms now. Now I have a job and I can't put in that extra one hour a day into my devotion. Now I'm married and I can't put in that extra two hours a day into my devotional life. Now this and now that. But they forget that it's from the place of Christian growth. It's from the place of maturing in new life that you are able to accurately function in all these other aspects of your life. Praise God. Praise God. So maturing... Is what does maturity mean for 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 even starters? What does maturity mean? Maturity is a state of being developed or of being grown, right? A state of being developed and of being grown. So, who is a mature Christian? What does a mature Christian look like? A mature Christian is a person who has grown and de- and developed in their reflecting of Christ. Praise God! Praise God! Praise God. So the error now is that many believe there is a growth that they have attained. Where they don't need any more growing. We have seen many Christians that boast about how long they have been in the faith. I've, I've been saved for 10 years. I've been in the faith for 25 years. And there is no fruits to show for it. I have been in the faith since I was in my teenage years. You know, we have met those grown-up people in their 40s that claim they have been saved since they were 16 and all of that. And there is no there is no fruits for the save, for the salvation. There is no Christian life. There is no devotional life. They just believe that Christianity is a trend. It is something you know that just happens and then you know there's a time in your life when you are on fire and there's another time in your life when you're not on fire and it's okay it's okay no it's not okay it is not okay the the plan of god for the believer is that the believer will be in step with him per time per minute and how does the believer do this how is a believer able to be in step be in alignment with a spirit being without having a spirit life 
the effect of that thought of you know it doesn't matter blah blah um, um i've attained a level of growth i am okay the the problem with that is that many leaders many service units head many church members many tongue talking christians believe that but because there is motion, there is activity, they are too distracted to see that it lacks impact. There is motion, there is motion. So there is the act of Christianity, there is the act of being a Christian, there is a way to be a Christian, there is a way to act in the church, you know, there is a way to serve in the church, you know, when you are a preacher, you can, there is a way to do these things, you would know all these things, there is, there is what some, some, some people call Christianese, you know how to speak Christian, you know how to sound Christian, you even know how to open the word and show people in scriptures what scripture says about this but there is no practical application to your life and so there is no tangible change and so everything that is being done is motion and activity carries no impact god forbid so now the effect of this is many begin to live by the flesh they begin to live by the flesh once the place of intentional Christian maturity has been taken away, once there is no longer a devotional life, once there is no longer a prayer life, what happens? The person is left with nothing but the flesh. And so they begin to live by it. They begin to see a decline in the activities they started with. A decline in the study life. A decline in the prayer life. A decline in the desire for fellowship. However, they are unbothered by it because they believe that they have attained a level of growth. They remain unbothered by it. Even though there are declines in these activities that should clearly raise, 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 raise uh, uh, red flags, that should clearly tell you that something is missing. There is no meter to gauge that, oh, this, 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 I need to go back to my place of prayer. You know why? Because they have stayed away from it long enough. And they have come to a place where they are desensitized to things like that. They run comments like, as a new believer, you must have a structure that helps you grow, you know, because you are a new believer. But the correct thing to say is, as a believer, you must have a structure that keeps you grounded, that keeps you anchored. You know why? The error many make in Christianity is there is a way to be a Christian that you will reach a certain point in your Christian life and you will just stay there and you don't want to move forward. You know, you don't have to put in so much work. You're already a Christian like there is this peak like that's just it but i tell you i challenge you that there is more in god on your journey to maturing as a christian you will realize experientially that there is more in god there is more in god you can never grow to a place where you know enough of god you can never get to a place where you know enough of god You can never say, I have fully explored God. You can never say, in my faith work, I have gotten to a place that actually works for me. You must have a structure that keeps you anchored. The thing about the Christian faith, about Christianity is this. You are either growing or regressing. You are either growing or regressing. See, the thing about physical growth and spiritual growth is that with physical growth, you can get to a place and you will stop growing. You know, when a, when a lady gets to 18, 20, 21, 22, 23, many of them have reached their permanent heights. The same thing with men. When they get to 19, 20, 21, you know, many of them have reached their permanent heights. There's nothing they will do at that point that will help them grow anymore. And at the same time, even if they stop eating, their height would not reduce. They are already there. 
Now, this is the contrast between spirit life and physical life. This is the contrast between spiritology and biology. In the spirit life, on the other hand, two things are either happening. You are either growing or regressing. That is why you see that when a Christian is in a place of their peak spiritual work, they, are, they feel like they are, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are peak. You know, they are praying hard. They are doing this. They are doing that. It becomes easier to overcome certain obstacles and certain temptations. However, when that when that thing is no longer there, when that system of devotion is no longer there, they begin to find themselves dwindling into all kinds of deceptive behaviors that were characteristics and features of the old man. So as a result of the lack of devotion, as a result of the lack of faith, the old man is, is, is trying to gain ascendance. Praise God. The old man is trying to gain ascendance. So in the faith, you are either growing or regressing. You are never static. You can't get to that place and say um i've gotten here and i want to stay here no it doesn't work like that if you get to that place best believe that you start to regress all right that is why there are only two concepts we hear about spiritual growth and backsliding there is nothing like spiritual stagnancy Mm-mm. as far as your faith work is concerned as far as your spiritual life is concerned you are either growing spiritually or you are regressing you are never static you are never static so you cannot evangelize salvation to the unsaved and not push the saved to remain grounded. You cannot evangelize salvation to the unsaved and not challenge the saved to remain grounded in the faith when they come in. You cannot preach salvation outside and not push the beloved deeper when we are inside. Paul, Paul addressing the Galatian church, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who had bewitched you? Oh foolish Galatians, who had bewitched you? When we hear that, many of us be like, Oh man, Paul was angry, angry. Paul was capital letter angry for him to have said, Oh foolish Galatians. So when I explored this scripture a little more, I realized that here Paul wasn't necessarily referring to them as people who are mentally unstable in the term, in the sense of foolish. When you call a person foolish, it was the translation that, that, that uses the word foolish, but he wasn't necessarily referring to our modern day kind of foolish, someone who is mentally unstable. Yet the Greek word translated was the word anotos. A-N-O-E-T-O-S, which is a term that was used then to describe a person who can think but fails to use their perceptive powers. So here, Paul is is telling these people, letting them understand how they have fallen into false doctrines, bewitchment. That was what he meant by who had bewitched you. Because remember, these people were in the church. So now in their time, there was a, there was a phenomenon that was famous. It's called the, the evil eye, right? The evil eye. So when he said, what does it mean to be bewitched? It means to be cast under a spell, to be, you know, used under juju or voodoo or whatever you call it, whatever you know it as but to be bewitched means to be cast under a spell so in this time now this phenomenon called the evil eye was a concept whereby they believe that it operates such that when the serpent looks at his prey right the serpent wants to go for a prey he looks at his prey and then once the victim looks into the evil eye a spell could be cast so in order to avoid being cast under a spell right you simply do not look at the evil eye you simply do not look at the evil eye. So in order to avoid being cast under the spell, 
you simply do not look at the evil eye. So little wonder he goes on to say in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. There is something about what you look up to. There is something about sight. There is something about sight. There is something about what you look up to. So this statement here, the Galatians, it was more like, oh foolish Galatians, have you so focused your eyes on falsehood that you now move and act like that and so today the same thing can be said about 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 some people some christians some people in the church who has bewitched you who has cast a spell on you who has deceived you that you believe that the things you started with you no longer need them to survive the things you started your faith with you no longer need them if there is going to be any maturity in the christian life if there's going to be any maturity in the christian faith best believe that the same practices that brought you will sustain you praise god the same practices that brought you will sustain you there was something we learned in childhood and i have never forgotten to today it's a song read your bible pray every day pray every day pray every day read your bible pray every day if you want to grow praise god praise god hallelujah so this is the way of champions this is the way of kingdom stewards this is the way of kingdom champions if you are going to mature a new life you cannot not have a relationship with God. If you are going to mature in new life, you cannot let go of the same things you started with. So here are a few thoughts to wrap up my 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 brief teaching for for today. You cannot start by faith and continue by flesh. No, you cannot start by faith and continue by flesh. If the spirit enabled your starting process, you would only continue by the enablement of the spirit. You cannot be too mature for the gospel's things. Or you cannot be too mature for the things you started with. You cannot be too mature for it. Oh, the new believer needs to pray for long because they have a lot of flesh to kill. Where so does the old believer. We all have flesh to kill. You cannot outgrow sound biblical practices. You cannot outgrow sound biblical practices. You cannot outgrow sound biblical practices practices you must live by faith in god you must live by believing god the day a believer says they no longer need to live by faith in god or they no longer need a prayer life they no longer need to study as hard as they used to that day they are beginning to take away their faith from god to self and you see in galatians 3 6 where we were told that abraham believed god and it was accounted to him some versions say it was credited credited to him for righteousness so it is with the believer so it is with the believer and in this righteousness it conformed to god's will for his life abraham had faith it was counted to him as righteousness abraham believed in god he had confidence in the power and the goodness of god those who live by faith are the true sons of abraham without faith is impossible to please god without faith the scripture tells us it's impossible to please god and how can you express that yes i do have confidence in the power and the goodness of god it is by ensuring you are deliberate about your relationship with him ensuring you are deliberate about your relationship with him praise god praise god Praise Jesus. Hallelujah.
So I will wrap up here and I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close here. Father, in the name of Jesus, strengthen whoever listens to this podcast, strengthen whoever listens to this teaching, strengthen whoever listens to this episode in the name of Jesus. Father, give them strength. Father, give them strength to do the right things, to study the word, to pray, to remain steadfast and fervent in the name of Jesus. Amen.